Welcome to the Life Endurance Podcast. Today I'm excited to bring to you a conversation with Rick and Monique Elgersma. They are therapists in the Des Moines area. Their primary focus is on relationship and family therapy. After meeting them, I knew they would be an awesome addition to the podcast. If you are in a relationship, it is obviously a very significant part of your life that can bring its own challenges, but also be a power for good. So I was excited to get some perspective on relationships in today's age, uh, different tactics on how to improve them, maintain them, just hopefully bring some information to anybody listening, as well as just dive into therapy in general and how it can help you and how therapists go about their work and the solutions they can provide. I would definitely suggest having a pen and paper, something to take notes, uh, ready at hand for this episode. Rick and Monique definitely dropped some good little knowledge bombs, some actionable items. So I suggest being ready to take note of those when you hear them. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And with that, we'll get right into it. Joining me today is Rick and Monique Elgersma. They own and operate Real Connections Counseling in Urbandale, Iowa. Their primary focus is in couples and family counseling, but with a powerful difference from most by using a co-therapy strategy, which is something I'm sure we'll dive into later on. Uh, appreciate your guys' time. How are you doing today? Doing good, thanks. Yeah, we're doing good. We uh, had a good holiday, so it's a nice chance to get back into things. I'm actually ready to get back to work. The holidays are fun and they're good. Um, and you eat all kinds of crap, but yeah, definitely eat a lot. And it's healthy for you during the holidays and that's it. But I'm ready to get back to work. Awesome. Yeah, we're for everybody listening the week after New Year's, so definitely up fresh year getting back into it. Uh, definitely excited for this one. I I feel like it's almost like a a step up for my podcast just getting that uh, goal of getting uh, information from real experts out there. So the the two things I wanted to hit on are definitely relationships uh, on a partner romantic sense in today's age, uh, but also just therapy in general and how it can benefit people. Um, So quickly, I guess a little background on you guys, how you guys got into this um, and came into this co-therapy strategy as well. Well, Rick and I have been married for 27 years, a long time, and we've had our own share with therapy and and counseling and and making our marriage to be a much more solid, better marriage. Um, But we... I have a background in counseling. That's where I started with my undergrad um, way okay. back in the day. But I got burnt out really fast. I wasn't well-trained in, in that, I don't think, at the time and wasn't ready. But when we decided we wanted to go in this, we had had people coming to us, talking to us anyway. We had a friend hmm. actually approach us and ask us to mentor him as he started a new relationship. And then as they went along, he's like, I think I found the girl I want to marry. I want you to mentor us as we go through it. And so we mentored them through their first year of marriage, actually. So quite mm-hmm. a long time. Wow. And that was a super cool opportunity. And we said, you know, maybe we should be doing this professionally because people talk to us about their issues anyway. Our, like, our distinct togetherness, though, kind of came in, not kind of, it came in a weird spot in our life. And that was during RAGBRAI. Training for Ragbri. Um, training for Ragbri. Ragbri in 2007. Um, I have a birth defect called spina bifida, and 
in the very early days of my life, like the first few days, um, it was unknown whether I would live. Um, doctors said I wouldn't walk. Um, those kinds of things were all part of the conversation. And you can imagine what kind of things my, were going through my parents' heads. Um, like, what are we going to have to live with and things like this. But they, uh, my parents pushed me to think about what was possible for me. And when I started doing that, I recognized that uh, though I might be limited to what normal legs could do, um, my legs definitely don't do the same things that normal legs can do, but mm -hmm. they can do an awful lot. And so um, one year I said, you know what? I had had spinal cord surgery and using a walker and I couldn't hardly walk. And I told Monique, we are doing right by next year. I just sort of said it matter-of-factly, and she said I was crazy. And, and said, let's maybe get you walking without a walker yeah, before we talk about riding a bike across the state of Iowa. But. Get rid of the walker first, maybe. Well, then we were invited to go into Ray Bry and to ride with a team. And it was at that time that we made the decision. So in my mind, I'm already sort of self-limiting. Can I do this? Can I do this? Mm -hmm. And Monique hasn't, hadn't ever done that kind of thing before. And so she's <laughs> saying, can I do this? Can I do this? <laughs> and while we're practicing and riding, we're both kind of frustrated by our limitations and by how weak we feel and by whether or not we can make long distances. And over time, we started to encourage each other and say, okay, together or not at all. We got this together or not at all. And that sort of became mm -hmm. our phrase, um, together or not at all. And from that conversation, our, our little together or not at all, came the, um, what if we helped other couples say the same thing? Mm. And if we could act as a team out on the road, um, we can act as a team in the counseling room and help others act as a team themselves. And so we begin with a relationship and um, inspire relationships instead of begin with counseling to hopefully mm -hmm. improve your relationship, we begin with our relationship inspired by the intent to relate and then help others do that as a team mm -hmm. um, yeah, for wow. themselves. So. That's a, I always love those kind of stories, especially as an endurance athlete. Yep. Um, always, all about, you know, pushing those physical limitations. Yep. And there's, there's a lot of people with fair, just horrible physical conditions that still go on to do Rag Bry, Ironman, yep. marathons. <clears throat> we like cried on our first three mile ride. And then um, on Rag Bry, um, she rode uh, nearly 108 miles mm -hmm. in a day. Yeah, that's, um, that's yeah. no joke. I only did 200 plus mile rides, and one of those was my Ironman. Yep. So, yeah, I can appreciate the, the level that takes. Mm hmm. Well, and I think part of that too, you know, we say together or not at all, but it would be when Rick felt weak, I would encourage him that way. And when mm -hmm. I felt weak, he would encourage me that way. Like, um, you know, like, Hey, just, I'm just going to walk my bike. He's nope. We'll ride it together. We'll do this together. Nope. I'll wait with you if you need a break. Um, that's what we want to teach our couples. That's what we mm -hmm. want to teach our families is that you, you work together as a team as well. Like you help encourage the other person. You find the places where they're weak and you become a strength for them or an encourager for them because everybody has assets and liabilities. Mm -hmm. Every personality has assets and liabilities. Every relationship has assets and liabilities. And when we stop looking at their weaknesses, their liabilities in the relationship and start looking at what they're bringing to the relationship that help me or help 
the other person, then mm. you, when you, you change your focus from rather than focusing on the negative, you focus on the positive. I mean, we hear so often like, you know, you need to work on your weaknesses. Well, you mm-hmm. know, yes, there it's are some true. things we have to change. Yes, absolutely. We need to work on our weaknesses. But in relationship, if we spend all of our time pointing out the weaknesses, your relationship's mm-hmm. not going to grow. Mm-hmm. What we need to do is look at that weakness and say, you know what, I've got the opposite of that weakness. I can be, I can complement that weakness with my asset, and we can be better together. Mm-hmm. And that's part of what we do in the counseling room. Isn't that we don't tell them to work on their weaknesses? Yeah, let's improve some of this stuff. But some of the other stuff, we need to say, this is a function of their personality, and they're not going to be able to change it. So you can choose to focus on that, or you can take what you have as a strength and mm-hmm. bring that together and build your relationship to a healthier place. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And honestly, that I mean, applies to all sorts of life. I'd, when I consider business and you're trying to get employee engagement up, or um, if you're trying to even train a dog, you know, the best way is to really double down, reinforce the good behaviors. Uh, and I mean, just think about it, you know, it's, it's a good, people like the positive response, you know, they're going to want to push towards that. Um, so yeah, any, any, any way to avoid change being based around fear, I think is definitely <clears throat> a good angle to take it. And people probably yeah, forget how that could apply to the relationship side as well. Mm-hmm. There are worse things to be compared to uh, th- as a, than a dog. <laughs> no. We like dogs. But we actually have a therapy dog, <laughs> we too. We love dogs. So, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, you're right. In the end, um, it is about inspiring, uh, inspiring the functions uh, of who we are in the healthiest way possible. That comes from a very individual like you as an extreme athlete. you got to know what's inside of you. Mm-hmm. That knows you can you can do something crazy hard, like I'm looking at Ironmans and thinking there's no way mm-hmm. until you begin to practice. Yep. And then all of a sudden you recognize there was a way, and that's the question we ask. Uh, you know, we take trying out of the 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 vocabulary. Mm-hmm. We, uh, mm-hmm. You know, I tried and it didn't work is the thing you hear an awful lot of. Well, what if we don't say, I tried and it didn't work? What if we said, I'm willing to practice? Anyone who's ever been great at anything, from business to sports to music to whatever, anyone who's ever been great at anything has practiced their way there. And so um, when we start thinking in terms of personality differences and the, and the assets and things like this, we start asking, okay, what are you able to practice right now? What do you have the bandwidth for right now? Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't worry about the stuff you don't have bandwidth for. We are going to think in terms of the stuff that you do have right now, the assets you have right now, and begin to practice those things. You're never going to make it to the NBA if you don't learn how to dribble a basketball. Mm-hmm. You're never going to become a CEO or a business owner if you don't know how to count to two. Right? Those are the things that are pieces of the relationship pie is we need to learn how to say hi in some cases mm-hmm. uh, in the morning. We need to learn how to say, um, how's it going sometimes? Very yeah. simple statements. Where, where my brain kind of goes with that. And I remember writing down uh, your guys' phrase, trying is not practice. So I guess we're already touching on that. But kind of the um, use it or lose it yeah. can apply to a relationship as well. I mean, you, you start out early in the relationship, you you know, the nice good mornings and, the, you know, little stuff like that. But then it can, if you don't consciously work on keeping up those little things, mm-hmm. you know, it can fade away and have a big impact on a relationship. 
Yep. I saw, <clears throat> I think it was a, a reel or a meme or something not that long ago where um, somebody wrote down, my husband just came in and he came over to the dog. Oh, what a good dog and petted the dog and gave the dog kisses and all that. And, and then he turned around and left. And I was sitting right by him. Like how yep. often does that happen in our relationships that we give the attention and forget to give the attention to our partner? Or forget to give the attention to those that are important to us. Or they get our leftovers, mm -hmm. right? And so that's why when we're working with the, like Rick said, the small things, the little things, we're not saying you have to completely change and become this perfect partner. What's one thing you can work on today? What's one thing you can practice? Because it's the little things. It's not the, you know, if you can't buy flowers for your partner every week, don't start with buying flowers. Mm -hmm. That's not something you can be consistent in. What's something you can be consistent on? Texting her, I love you every day, texting him, I love you every day, or I thought of you over lunch, or whatever. What's something you can do almost every day or consistently that lets the person know that you care? Mm -hmm. That's much more important than planning a big weekend away because that's a one-time thing. That's a mountaintop. Mm -hmm. That's a mountaintop experience. We want how do we get from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain? Mm -hmm. It's those little things. It's the steps, each step you take to get there. It's the training for mm -hmm. an Ironman. You don't just all of a sudden wake up one morning and say, I think I'm going to do an Ironman today. We couldn't wake up one morning and decide to do rag bike. Like you said, our first ride was 3.4 miles, and I nearly died. Mm -hmm. At least that's what it felt like, you know. And then I could Glad do, you're still with us. Still with us. <laughs> yeah. And so um, it's the same thing with relationships. Yeah. That's, uh, there's been a maybe a, relax, a lack of, severe lack of a romantic life the last few years, you know, coming out of school, COVID definitely does not help the, the dating scene make that any more simple than it certainly isn't already. <laughs> um, but I think that's something I, I have had one long-term relationship and I'm always, I always just find myself looking at, you know, relationships that my friends have, or even just coworkers really kind of just thinking about the dynamics between them and their partner. And I think that those small things are really just that really underrated element that, you know, uh, personally, I just hear a lot of people, you know, they're complaining about their uh, girlfriend, boyfriend, but then, you know, they're just like, oh, they, I got surprised by flowers. And that just seems to make the difference. But, you know, in the long term scheme, that's, you know, anybody can go just buy flowers or, you know, do those kind of little gestures, but it really takes a lot of thought and discipline to always put your plates away in just that little way that they like it or you know maybe you know they really don't like taking out the trash or just go doing that little thing for them or the the good morning text stuff like that i think those are the those really are the things that make a difference in those when i see a good relationship and i see one that you're just like kind of like why are they together and that, that those little things are definitely a, a common point of they're either there or they're not, mm -hmm. and that definitely makes a difference, I think. You know, whoever came up with the – whoever was the first person to make a meme was really on to something. <laughs> well, my wife is the meme expert. However, um, what I love about them is they are tiny little messages. Mm -hmm. And those tiny little messages are the things that can make – if we would – if we would concentrate on the memes out there, the world would be a better place because they have these tiny little messages. Some of them are funny, some of them are serious, but uh, and some of them are sad or whatever. But they all have a purpose. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Many of them do anyway, and they all kind of have a message behind it. Um, and if we would only listen to that tiny little message, um, we would start practicing. And uh, that's our whole hope. We we work in terms of memes because, in a way, because we work in those tiny little spots, not on the bait, less on the huge spots, and more on those tiny little spaces. Mm-hmm. You know kind of leaning into I know you said we'll talk about a little bit more about therapy but one of the things that about therapy that uh, a, a myth that I want to bring up right now mm-hmm. is that people feel like if I go to therapy that'll fix it right sure. our jobs are not yep. to fix people our jobs mm-hmm. are to help them to recognize things in their lives that they can change to help them to come to terms with things that are hard or to provide skills or resources for them so that they can work through a tough situation or to learn how to communicate better mm-hmm. or to you know start dating again when it comes to relationships but in general you know counseling's not a fix all that's why those little things are the important pieces like for that's sure. where we start there because what we do in an hour and a half in counseling, because we're non-standard, we do 80-minute sessions, we do the co-therapy, so you have both Rick and I in the room, and we can talk a little bit more about that in a minute. In an 80-minute session, we can get through a lot. Mm-hmm. We can get through a really tough situation and come to the other side, come up with some skills and some resolution and that kind of stuff, which is awesome. And that can help the couple bridge a gap, right? That's like we put a big bridge on a, over an, a, a, a river, mm-hmm. but we're not doing the rest of the path they've still got to walk they still we're not going home with them we're not going to their house we're mm-hmm. not going to be in their day to day and that's where those little practices come in that's why the trying is not practice that's why yeah. when we give you skills we say take this home and try it at home practice it and if you struggle with it we can talk about it in your next session mm-hmm. but if you're not doing the little things when you're outside of our office what we do in our office is only going to do so much. Yeah, if you go We're to only going to get so far. If you go to a physical therapist and after an injury or surgery, you know, they can teach you what to do unless you go do those exercises at home. The injury's not going to get better or if you have a, an infection and doctor gives you antibiotics, if you don't take them, it doesn't do anything do any good for you. They can give you a shot in the office, but if you don't take the pills when you get home, it's going to come back or it's going to be worse. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess yeah, let's dive into the now that we're getting onto the therapy subject, um, what what it means as what co-therapy means, uh, maybe I know, I know it's uh, we've talked and it's not a very uncommon thing. Um, so it, I mean, it seems kind of obvious how you guys stumbled upon it. You know, just the power of you guys together and being able to help other couples. Uh, so it certainly makes sense in a couple's perspective. Um, but yeah, if you guys could go into how how you got into that where you've seen the benefits of that and, you know, let let you go from there. You want to start? Have at it. Okay. Um, You know, actually, if you would have told me 15 years ago I was working with Rick every day, I probably would have laughed in your face. (laughs) But um, it's been really – I'd be crying in a corner. (laughs) (laughs) No, but we've we've really learned a lot by doing this together. But the power of co-therapy is just amazing. We – when we decided to pursue this, we knew we wanted to do the co-therapy. That was always the intention. So we went mm-hmm. to school. We took the same classes. We were in the same classes. We did everything together but our internship because we couldn't do those yeah. together, which is fine. Oh, you know, okay. We needed to learn our skills. Um, but with the intention of that, when we got done with our schooling, we would work together. Um, there are a couple – there's some really great benefits with it that – 
you don't get in general counseling. Mm -hmm. And that is you've got two people in the room. So we've got two different perspectives. You've mm -hmm. got two different people hearing the same message or seeing the same situation. And he picks up things I don't. And I pick up things he doesn't. If I'm talking or doing some skills training or whatever and I'm up on the board, he's watching the clients and he's watching their uh, nonverbals and, and catching things maybe I won't. When you're talking, they're looking at you. Mm -hmm. When he's talking, they're looking at him. So I can look at both and I can go back and forth and I can catch little nuances that maybe, oh, they didn't really like that being said or mm -hmm. they got really hurt by that. You know, we can kind of see their nonverbals and we can bring that into the room. And as an individual therapist, I can only look at one person at a time. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to catch everything. So it's a great way to bring things into the room sooner. It's a good way to catch things that maybe they're they're not. Uh, even recognizing that they're in, that they're showing us in the room, or here's another benefit: if I'm sharing something and they're kind of looking at us like deer in the headlights, look like what is she saying? I don't mm -hmm. get it. Rick can be like that oh. happens to me more. It happens to her, but you know. <laughs> but then Rick can turn around and say it a different way, and all of a sudden yep. the light bulb goes on. Mm -hmm. Yep. Co-therapy. We knew a long time ago that there was something special, much more integrative, much more um, involved about being in relationship with other people. Somehow it didn't just become a transactional co uh, a conversation. It became something that was bigger, um, mm -hmm. exponentially bigger than the conversation itself in learning how to relate to each other. And so that was the whole idea is that if we begin with a relationship right off the right off the bat, the whole experience will change. It'll change from the from this, okay, I'm definitely the client. This is definitely the expert experience to mm -hmm. definitely we are the experts in our field, but we create a relational space right out of the get-go. Uh, right out of the gate. Mm -hmm. Right from the get-go is what I should say. And that beginning relationship experience from the first session on creates a bigger conversation than what you normally have from a counselor client relationship. And I know that because I have my own clients as well. And it's definitely different. It's still good. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's still worth um, noting that if you find counseling out there, that is a good thing. But what is so amazing about co-therapy is it begins with relationship and it creates a bigger conversation right out of the gate because of the relationship experience. Um, the two that we have with us, Cora and Jess, they're not married. Um, well, they, they're not married to each other. They're not they're married to married. each other. They're both married, mm -hmm. but okay. they are friends. And they are connecting in the room, just like Monique and I are connecting in the room. They're working out this pattern together, this rhythm together, just like Monique and I are working out this rhythm together in the counseling mm -hmm. room. Um, they are sharing space in the same way that Monique and I are sharing space in the counseling room. And the client is experiencing that sharing. The client ex experiences that um, connection, that rhythm. And from that, that model then becomes something that they take on for themselves. And it actually becomes part of the fruit of the conversation is building this relational rhythm between the two counselors mm -hmm. helps build relational rhythm with the couple and even the individual. And 
that has turned into exactly why we do it. Because sure, you're getting double or more the expertise, which mm -hmm. means that you're getting a much wider width and breadth of um, experience in the counseling room, but you're getting something with co-therapy that you can't get with a single counselor. Mm -hmm. And that is the rhythm of a relationship from the first word on. And, um, you know, that's why we think it's so special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even just like a relationship how you're alluding to is a, a team effort and a, mm -hmm. how strong that can be. Same thing in like this or, uh, you know, if business, you always have multiple the, the best businesses have multiple people inputting on how to solve problems have good support systems mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so yeah so it's definitely a yeah you kind of get double su the support and yeah it's, it's definitely that you know having one person be able to back up and kind of look look at it from a distance you know mm -hmm. it is amazing how how many little things you can see and i'm sure that just you know accelerates the the rate of kind of breakthroughs it's, um, yes, it's the difference between standing on solid ground and standing on a cloud, right? Mm -hmm. um, that support, when we model that support for each other right away, we're, we're establishing what it means to uh, add support systems into your natural relational space and that that becomes, the, uh, you know, the floor underneath your feet. Um, it's not something that you're going to fall through. And uh, that's the, an exciting piece of, you know, co-therapy. And learning how to not talk over each other, go where, mm -hmm. you know, someone takes the lead and you kind of go in that direction. And, and if you have a different idea, maybe you bring it up in the next session or maybe you bring it up a little bit later. Or, you know, there are times that Rick and I both have a thought and one of us will speak and then we'll say, you were going to say something. Or we'll catch mm -hmm. the clients doing that and we'll say, you were, you were going to say something, but your spouse or your partner just, you know, spoke up. What were you trying to say? They might mm -hmm. not get that opportunity at home. So we're modeling that for them. Plus, then we're encouraging them to do that in session. So mm -hmm. that's part of that relationship thing. Whereas if I were just an individual counselor, they wouldn't see that demonstrated. Mm -hmm. When I'm like, well, you were going to say something. What were you right. going to say? Yeah. Especially on the couple's end. Yes, Imagine an, an interruptive couple, an interruptive person in a couple, mm -hmm. uh, how much relational havoc that can create if somebody's always interrupting the other. Well, if we're modeling that right out right away, um, just imagine how much they can learn just from that sharing experience alone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, so on that relationship side of things, what, what are kind of, I like to think if, if people want to change you know, being aware is always the kind of starting point for anything. So what what are some of the top sources, kind of categories of problems that, you know, you see most common in a relationship that's, that's struggling? Our uh, top kinda, four things. Top four. Top right. four things that we see are struggling, are problems with communication. Of course. Conflict resolution. Mm -hmm. Boundaries. And, um, in, you know, connection, being feeling connected with their spouse mm. or partner. Um, those would be the top four 
skills that we're helping clients to develop because those will feed into wanting divorce. They'll feed into infidelity. They'll feed into financial problems. They'll feed into parenting problems because if you're missing some of those basic skills in your relationship as a couple, they're going to feed into and fall into some of those other negative things. So yes, we deal with those other things as well. Mm -hmm. Co-parenting, people that are on the verge of divorce, infidelity, um, porn addiction, things like that, that um, do definitely wreak havoc on a relationship. But boundaries on time, you know, like if you spend too much time at the office and I've got all this free time over here, um, Mm -hmm. what do I do with all that free time? Now I find a friend on the side, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. or um, how do we put boundaries around work versus home? How do we make sure that I, that your spouse feels like your priority? How do they know you're, that they're your priority when all they get is your leftovers? So we're working on connection, communication, conflict resolution, and healthy boundaries. Really that breeds also, if, if those things are unhealthy, it sort of breeds the killers to a relationship in a way. Um, the Gottmans, who are uh, relationship specialists, they're the researchers, re- relationship or therapeutic researchers in our field, mm-hmm. um, said that the four basic killers to a relationship uh, are contempt, stonewalling, defensiveness, and criticism. Mm-hmm. If those things are present, especially contempt, if those things are consistently present, a relationship is slowly just downgraded and defeated. And mm-hmm. so we are working through these issues, and underneath it, we see these four major components, and there are others, um, shame, guilt, those are other things, too, that are part of the equation. But those four things are the, the, the you know, stake holders. They're the posts mm-hmm. of good relationships when you can learn how to do something other than be critical of the other when we can do something other than feel contempt for the other. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that we get to practice. Awesome. Yeah. So those are those top kind of four things. If what, what's so obviously when they come into you, you know, what are, what are some of your ways of flushing out that awareness, getting them to kind of have some of those aha moments, maybe give people a little, freebie so to say if they're listening and they're maybe struggling in a relationship what's something they can start to think about or do to be more aware of those problems that you know might just seem normal but then they're not realizing are the source of an issue okay well i mean obviously if you're not talking or you're not everything you talk about turns into a fight there's communication issues and conflict resolution issues there but i would say 100 percent of our um couples when they first come to us, have problems with boundaries. Um, And that's probably because we all have boundaries, but we are not good about communicating them. So whether it's the boundary of the communication Mm. problem there, I don't know. But we all have an idea of what it means to be cheated on. We all have an idea of how much money is too much to spend. We all have an idea on, you know, so we have these, how much time is too much to spend with their partner's family or with friends or at work. We all have these in our head, but if we don't talk about them with our partner, Mm -hmm. then they might not think it's a problem. What do you mean I can't hang out? I've always hung out with the guys every 
Thursday, Friday, Saturday night. That's just what I do. And when we got together, that's what you knew, right? Like, mm-hmm. well, now we're married and we have two kids and I'd actually like you to be home more than four nights a week, you know. But if you don't talk about that, then all of a sudden it becomes resentment spilled and you don't talk about it and people get upset and they turn into fights. Um, so boundaries would be, you know, talking about how much time do we spend together? How much time do we spend apart? How much things like that. So having those discussions, there's a freebie right there. Like Mm -hmm. if you've got something in your head that you have as a boundary or a value, start talking about that with your significant other, because they might not have that same Mm -hmm. boundary as you, or theirs might be further back on the line or further out than yours. And so, you know, how do you decide that, you know, three days vacation with family is too much? Or how do you decide that a week's vacation is too much? Mm-hmm. If you don't talk about it, then how do you how do you decide? Then you somebody gets upset, right? Mm-hmm. Don't cross that boundary if you don't know it's there. But if you know mm-hmm. it's there, then it's a discussion. Mm-hmm. There are many different ways to show unfaithfulness or faithfulness. We sort of pin unfaithfulness on having sex with other people other than our own sure. spouses or our, our own partners, right? That's where we sort of lay into the unfaithfulness bracket. But um, spending $150 on, on something is a small way of being unfaithful if you can only afford 50 mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Those kinds of smaller ways are still versions of lack of faithfulness, going out too often, staying out too long, little versions of unfaithfulness, Um, not defending your spouse when a family member is um, criticizing them for something, not standing up for them in the moment. Small way to show unfaithfulness to your spouse or partner. Mm. So this is all about boundaries. This is all about knowing how to communicate. This is all about learning how to create intimacy with your partner. And um, when we start thinking of faithfulness in a bigger way, um, that's, you know, that's, the, that's the idea that we bring into the counseling room most often. And that is kind of the vein in which we um, help our couples. Like hmm. how, do you, how do you know your spouse or your partner has your back? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the summary of it. Like, how do you know that they've got your back? Yeah, that's interesting. I never quite thought of it that deep of, you know, kind of that thinking of all those little things, you know, as a, a being unfaithful or, yeah, how that can. And they don't come across that way, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's you don't, I wouldn't part. say yep. that if I worked late that all of a sudden I'm being unfaithful to Rick. It's the not prioritizing your spouse. Mm hmm not thinking of how that's impacting them, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, you know, clarifying that a little bit. It's not mm-hmm. like if you work too long or you go out with your friends and all of a sudden you're being unfaithful. We're no, not no, saying no. that. It's that consistency where your f- spouse gets your last thought, not your first thought. Mm-hmm. We, have a, we have a scheduled date night. It's one night a week. It's Thursday nights. And so we don't do anything on Thursday nights without clarifying it with the other person first. So if someone says, mm-hmm. hey, you want to, you know, grab dinner on Thursday night? I'll say, well, I'll have to check with Rick first. It's date night. Mm-hmm. Um, and if one of his friends are like, hey, you want to go out for beers? I have to check with Monique. It's date night. Now, that doesn't mean that it's like in stone. We have to do it on Thursday night. Because sometimes right. there's activities happening on the weekend and we decide to make that our date. So then it might be, yeah, sure, go out with your friend uh, and grab <laughs> beers on Thursday because on Sunday we're going to, you know, music at the winery or something like that because we've already got that planned. Um, 
But having that set time that's ours, we know that we get the priority before anybody else. Mm-hmm. And that that's part of, you know, part of that. How does, how does our daughter know that we pick each other first? You know, she knows that we are her, that we are each other's priority and she's second and then everybody else's after that. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. So let's say somebody does have, they come to realize, oh, this is something that's causing a problem with the relationship. Um, I guess, obviously going to therapy, that's a, key, a good way to, uh, you know, initiate tackling that problem. Um, so what, what is, what, what do you guys do? So you, you find an issue, you, it's identified, uh, what, what's kind of the next step for starting to treat that or, uh, kind of mentality, maybe if they're not in therapy with a, how do you tactfully, you know, broach the subject, uh, any, any kind of tips or how you guys like to go about that? Well, I will say that probably a good portion of our couples, especially older couples, um, it takes them about two years before they finally get into therapy. Like mm-hmm. one of the person in the couple has been asking to go to therapy for about two years on average before they come in, which means some are longer and some are less. Um, I think that, you know, if you're we, – we like to say – how did you used to say it? Um, fix-ups, what do you, we do tune-ups, fix-ups. Startups, tune-ups, fix-ups, and all repair. Hmm. So what we mean by that is we do premarital counseling, and we will talk about boundaries, communication, conflict resolution, personalities. We'll talk about that in our premarital stuff because we want to build that foundation, a solid foundation for the couples that are getting married. So we'll do those startups, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We'll do um, fix-ups, like someone has just one issue that they want to work on, we'll work on that. Um, We've got people that have been married for many, many years, and they're like living two completely separate lives, and we're going to do something different with that. But So there's never a, a wrong time to come to therapy, So there's also, you know, so if you feel like you just want to improve your relationship, look Mm -hmm. into a coach or look into a therapist, right? There's nothing wrong with finding someone that's in a better place than you that can either mentor you or provide you the skills to be better. So um, I often will say when we were in our, in our under, or when we were in our uh, counseling program, one of the things they talked about was look at a couple that you admire. What characteristics do they have Mm -hmm. that you want? And then be willing to, to ask them, can I pick your brain? Why, you know, I noticed that you always open the door for your wife. You know, why do you do that? Why did you start doing that? She seems to like that. She's fully capable of opening her door. Why are you opening her door? You know, like have them sit down with that couple and talk about what are the things that they're seeing in that couple that they like and that they want to emulate and figure out why. Mm-hmm. Because they all, most people are actually willing to tell you about some of that hard stuff that they went through so that they can to get where they are today. Yeah. Like, and Rick and I are different in that way than some counselors. We're not afraid to talk about our relationship and the struggles mm. we've had mm-hmm. and how we've come o- overcome it. We bring that into the room. Like Rick said, we are a relationship helping this next relationship. And if we can't be real about our struggles, then, then we're just the expert. Mm-hmm. We're not in relationship. Yeah. yeah. That falls along with my personal core values is uh, learn from failure, mimic success. I definitely try to do that with, uh, relationships, especially that, you know, look at, find, see if I see a couple that, wow, 
They seem like they're doing great. Why is that? And then, you know, plenty of examples out there of like, okay, I don't want that. So being very conscious of avoiding that, thinking forward. When I have a relationship, my, my friends always make fun of me for how picky I tend to be uh, when attempting to date. And, you know, I, I still try to stay true because I know just how big of an impact it can it can have on you. Absolutely. You know, I think the thing I want to say about that is is different than her. I'm, it doesn't go against her, but it's different. Um, there are many people that don't come in even for a long, long time. And then there are people that come in right away. Mm. But, uh, you know, there, there are really two basic things to, to say about how to know that coming into therapy is a good idea. And that is to put it in any other space in your life where you would logically do something to change it. Like, um, you, you know, if you stink a little bit, what are you going to do? You're going to put on deodorant. Well, that's mm. maintenance mode. Um, you're not going to – most of us wouldn't go out knowing that we smell a certain way. Mm-hmm. We just wouldn't do it. We'd wash our armpits and then we'd, you know, put on deodorant. That's a little maintenance mode that helps us change us, uh, change our confidence going forward. But if we've broken our leg, um, are we going to say, well, shoot, I guess I'm just never going to walk again. Mm-hmm. No, we're going to go to a doctor. We're going to figure that out. We're going to get a cast on. We're going to go to physical therapy. We're going to do the things that we need to do. I sound like a New Yorker right now. Um we're going to do the things that we need to do um, to make that a better situation. That's our all-out repair. Mm-hmm. So some relationships are moving towards broken, but they don't think naturally, oh, we should. We need to go find something to help us out. Um, we can do it on our own. We'll just read some we, self-help books. We can do it on our own, as if you could go out and just will your armpits not to stink. Mm-hmm. Right, you have to do something, and the best part about coming in and finding Rick and Monique or Cora and Jess or any you know variation of us because we mix the teams up here and there a little bit too is knowing that you're going to have relationship specialists who come in as a relationship to help relationships. Mm -hmm. I mean, that is the trifecta of relationship, Um, that's much more than just changing out a tire. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that is an all-out repair shop right there. Um, we can switch, change a bolt, and we can, you know, rebuild the car. Those are the things that um, make Real Connections counseling special. But that's, mm-hmm. um, those are the, that's true about any other counseling situation. Just so important that once you know something even little isn't right, in every other area of our life, we'll do something to change that. Mm-hmm. We want you to think naturally about that in the mental, in health. The mental health and relational health space as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even thinking of this outside of just couples <laughs> and just therapy in general, you know, trying to get across that message of how, how it can help and when when's a good time to start considering it. I'll, I'll, I'll admit I'm definitely that type that's very reluctant to to go get help. There's probably been a few times in my life that I... Should have been going to therapy, especially throughout college. Um, but That's all of us. Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> but I, you know, I think it's kind of like <clears throat> like what Rick was saying. You know, it's um, I I hurt my ankle 
in 2009, right after Ragbray, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, we were going to ride, maybe it was 2010, we were going to ride just a portion of Ragbray with some friends, and I couldn't because I, I really wrenched my ankle. Mm-hmm. I should have gone to physical therapy, and I yep. didn't. And I still, you know, I, I, it acts up still some today. And um, that's one of those situations where it was like, well, I should have probably gone to counseling, but I didn't. <clears throat> I could go to physical therapy now if I wanted to for my ankle. I mean, I still mm-hmm. could, right? I can do it later, and it could still help. But the reality is, when you have a when you're sick, you go to the doctor. When you need when you break something or you tear something on your body, you go to a physical therapist. Um, you go to the dentist to maintain your teeth. You know, sometimes um, therapy is is to fix something. Sometimes therapy is to repair it. Sometimes therapy is just maintenance. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to be a better person, so I'm gonna I'm gonna work through my issues so that I don't pass them on to my kids, or um, I, I can have a healthy relationship with someone else. I want to make sure that I'm in the best place that I can be mentally. And mental health is one of those things where a lot of people feel like they can't talk to people. They don't want to go and complain. Mm-hmm. Um, and a therapist's role is to be a safe place for you to talk about the stuff that's hard. Um, your, if your friends are tired of hearing the same story over and over, maybe you need to go to a therapist. That's a good example. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've told the same story over and over and over and my friends are tired of hearing it. My spouse is tired of hearing it. Well, then maybe you should go to therapy because then there's a reason why you keep telling that story. Maybe there's something you need to work through with that story. Maybe there's something in that story that you're not sharing or you don't feel comfortable sharing that you need to. And maybe you can in a safe space with a therapist, someone that's not going to judge you, someone that's going to, um, help you work through it. Um, when we keep repeating the same bad behaviors, it's usually because we're stuck mm-hmm. or because somebody's not listening and you need someone to listen. That's what therapy's about. And it comes back always to that mental side of things, just like the, the ragbri physically, all indicators seemed like, nope, there's no way I'm ever going to do ragbri, but mentally is really where, where it counts. Same thing with mm-hmm. just everything. Um, <clears throat> that's something I've... I haven't dived into much yet on my podcast, but I've always had the intent of trying to promote you know, mental health and just why it is so important to be aware of. Um, and it's something I'm always learning more about, and I'm sure I could benefit from learning more about therapy or going to it myself, um, but definitely always trying to uh, promote that. Because, yeah, it all comes down to just sometimes, you know, you, you notice you're stuck in a just a... A loop, you know, it keeps mm-hmm. happening over and over, and yeah. just getting that outside little input, being able to put yourself out there, can really make the difference. Mm-hmm. And I will say, I mean, I'm I'm not knocking self help books. Some people can read a self help book, can read a, a book on relationships or mental health or whatever, and and actually make the changes. But a lot of us can't. And part of counseling is also accountability, right? So um, when we do our couples stuff, we give them homework. And then mm-hmm. we ask them about it the next time they come in. How did the practice go? How did this work? Or if it was uh, something they had to fill out, we might use it to do self to help broaden their awareness of themselves or their spouse or a relationship. And um, those pieces are also part. Mm-hmm. Some of that you can't do by reading a book. Sometimes you have to experience it. And so yeah. sometimes just coming in and, and actually verbalizing your struggle, verbalizing what you have, you realize you're not alone. Other people struggle with this. Or they found a way to deal with that. So. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you know, I do uh, little <clears throat> Facebook reels and, you know, YouTube shorts and that kind of thing. And 
um, I give, we give our best stuff away. Like we tell you exactly what we tell other people in the counseling room. Mm-hmm. The thing is they hear it. Some of them can implement a little bit of it, but when we've given our, our best stuff away, people still want to come in and get support mm-hmm. for how to do it, get some accountability system going for how to do that. So they take this relationship from in uh, between Monique and I or Cora and Jess, they take that relationship and allow it to become a support system for the work that they have to do in learning how to support mm-hmm. each other. So all of a sudden we become this um, naturally growing support structure that is unique to co-therapy. But uh, mm-hmm. in, in many ways, it's just about being able to talk to each other and tell and me to be able to tell you, you know, this is a good technique, and a good idea. And you can go out and implement that, but you come in for support. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wonder if there's, you know, maybe people kind of like me that are very just system oriented and they, you know, if they don't know much about therapy, they think, you know, it's just, oh, you're just kind of chatting um, what are some things you can say about being, you know, experts in the field, trained therapists that can maybe help somebody with that mindset, how there, there is, you guys have processes, tools you use to, for these breakthroughs. It's not just, you know, just Chatting. having a chat, yeah. you know, there, there is a, either a science or, you know, proven system, um, that therapists use, just talk on, talk, kind of talk on that and how, you know, maybe rest get somebody's mind at ease if that's, you know, really how they, they're stuck kind of thinking. You know, there are, are a lot of different therapists out there. So part of mm-hmm. it is, um, you know, using the resources that are out there, the Internet, um, talking to your friends, um, looking at psychology today or whatever. There are different kinds of therapists. And what I mean by that is I'm very solution-focused. Um, I am cognitive behavioral therapy trained. I'm Gottman trained. So I do a lot of stuff that's very like, it comes across as psychoeducation. You know, I'm I'm teaching skills. I'm talking through how you're thinking and how that thinking is affecting your feelings and then your feelings are affecting your behavior, Mm -hmm. those kind of things. And then like, oh, you want to work on your anxiety. Here's some skills you can try. Let's keep going until we find one that helps you with your anxiety. So I'm very like, you know, if someone wants like, they want a solution. They've got this one problem that they want to work on. I'm a great therapist for that because that's really a, a lot of the way I focus when I'm working with individuals. Rick's a narrative therapist, and I'll let him talk a little bit about narrative and EFT and some of the other ones. Um, you can talk a little bit about how you approach therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a story-driven guy. My story uh, mm-hmm. of, you know, right how I started knowing that um, I was limited, knowing that there might be a day when I wasn't going to live or might be a day when I could never walk again. Um, but my story has mattered in that there are so many things that have been available to me, so many ways that I've been inspired to lift myself up off the ground and walk, to take up my mat and get going. And so that's what I carry in the counseling room. So people who are sort of wondering what they can do uh, who are kind of scared of coming in with me, uh, with Monique and I, you're going to get this very solution-oriented person, uh, very much an uh, attitude, action girl, with this very story-driven person who says, you know what, you're not the problem. The problem is the problem. 
mm-hmm. what can what kind of story what kind of problem saturated story have you been telling about this problem you've been wearing this problem like a warm coat you've been sort of grafting this problem into your skin pretending that it's you or you've been making this pro this problem your best buddy Mm-hmm. Is this problem truly your best buddy or this imposter that's faking best mm-hmm. buddyism? And we start to tell stories. We start to tell, we create a narrative for the, the place you're at right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I love that idea. We begin to, you know, scaffold, build upon each storyline and eventually develop a plot line that helps you move forward in the best uh, kind mm-hmm. of way. What are uh, what are some kind of examples that pop into mind off the bat for what are uh, some of those stories or problems that I am the problem. Just that mm-hmm. I am the problem is probably the biggest story. Well, it must be me. Everything mm-hmm. every, everything is around me is falling apart. No one is in my life anymore, so it must be me. Mm-hmm. Well, that doesn't necessarily have to be the truth. Sometimes the problems around you are just because for a period of time you were surrounded by people that weren't good for you. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there was a health issue or maybe there was a, a, a time when you, you weren't sleeping very well. So you were start, starting to make mental mistakes. So the problem is sleep. That mm-hmm. still doesn't make you the problem. Even when it feels like I'm the problem, I can't sleep. That is not necessarily true. We've gone away. We want to move people away from that label. Like um, uh, a good example is he's bipolar. He's schizophrenic. Mm-hmm. Well, no, he or he's narcissistic. No, he's he's Rick, mm. and he might have trouble with schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is the problem. Bipolar is the problem. Depression or anxiety is the problem. You don't shake somebody's hand and say, hi, my name is anxiety. Mm-hmm. No. You say, my name is Rick or my name is Monique. I have anxiety. Well, okay, I know you have anxiety. Let's externalize it, take a look at it, and let's find a story. Let's work this out. Or, or find, a find a solution. Find a solution. She'll find many the solution. Ways to get to the there solution. are many ways to get to that anxiety, but we both externalize, which is interesting. Both mm-hmm. both are looking at a problem or looking at a story and having a look at it, doing a, a storyboard about it or, mm-hmm. or doing a solutions list about it. Those kinds of things matter. And so uh, that's... And- and there are other therapists out there that are very, um, you know, that they do just want you to just talk. Mm-hmm. And there are, you know, some people, that's what they need. Like, I've had mm-hmm. clients where they're talking, and I'm like, well, we were going to go in this direction, you'd said last session, but you seem like you really need to talk today. Is that what you need today? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I need today. Okay, well, we'll go there. Right, if you need to just, you know, spew or vent or or, or talk through something. Um, so, you know, it, it really depends on what the person is looking for, right? So you look mm-hmm. for a therapist that is going to be helping you with what you feel like you're struggling with. Now, some therapists will list that they work with all the things. If you really are struggling with depression, you know, you might want to look for a therapist that says, I work primarily with people with depression mm-hmm. or, you know, self-harm or something like that. Because it's not that I couldn't work with depression, but I, I would say I specialize more with anxiety. Rick's my, my, my depression guy. He, he, works, he does really well with clients that are struggling with depression. 
Um, and I do really well with anxiety because depression needs to be able to rewrite their story. Mm-hmm. Anxiety wants solution. Yeah. So we sure. can divide and conquer. Now, it's also great in the therapy room for couples therapy because mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. we have both in the room. We have both in the room. We have one part of the couple that really wants, let's find a solution. And we've mm-hmm. got another person in the couple's like, hold on, I want to talk about my feelings. We can meet both of those needs with the two different personalities of us as well and our two different approaches to therapy. Yeah. So that's where the co therapy is yeah, another extra a, benefit. A really good specific example of how, yeah, the co therapy model can be. Very powerful. And we, I know that's somewhat your guys' mission to keep spreading the word of yep. that and explain how you've co-therapies out there. succeeded with it. We have depression and anxiety in the same room sometimes. We have, mm-hmm. you know, we have these kinds of things that I might be better at and she might be better at. And with the, the package of us two, all of a sudden this couple has the best chance that they possibly could have to be heard, understood, and respected for what is happening to them. Mm-hmm. We do concentrate on who they are as well. We use the uh, a personality system called the Enneagram to discover what the functions of our personality is. Who are we? The tendencies that we have, the weaknesses and strengths that, get, that are part of our personality. We do a lot of that too. So we identify who we are, mm-hmm. but we also identify who we aren't and, and what we aren't. And, that's, and that goes between the both of us. Um, we relate to each other in specific ways, catering to each other's personality. We demonstrate that, uh, demonstrate that in the room as well. And so there, there are just so many different ways that our relationship, our co-therapy system has created benefit for our clients. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, one more thing that I wanted to touch on, especially in the relationship atmosphere, uh, is how modern technology, how you guys have seen it affect, you know, relationships in a dating romantic sense. I know for me, I'm, I'm 26. So by the time I was in middle school, getting of that age where you, you start notice, noticing girls and boys that we already had cell phones. So we were kind of right at that cusp of just technology accelerating. I know you've probably had more, you know, more time to view how things have changed so i'm just curious from a a therapist perspective especially specializing in relationships how you've seen technology affect uh relationships in i guess could be good and bad ways um you know it's definitely a powerful tool but power can go either way when we started 30 years ago we could barely email each other (laughs) you know we had rates that went down phone minute rates that went down after nine nine o'clock so we would talk to each other one day a week at nine o'clock when we could get our cheapest rates you know so technology meant something way different to us than Mm -hmm. it did than it does to every other couple now you know i would say that's definitely one of the boundaries we often end up talking about with couples is that one one or more of them feel that they're on their phones more than they the should mistress be or, or, or the mister is your 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 um, phone, your phone or your Xbox or you mm-hmm. know like gaming iPad videos or... video games you know um, people we hear a lot of people say it's not you know it used to be I would say even 20 years ago there's a TV in the room and you shouldn't have a TV in the room now it's you have your phone in the room so you go to bed and you don't talk because you're playing your game on your phone and mm-hmm. they're playing their game on their phone and and nobody's actually talking about the day whereas in the old days they would you know snuggle down maybe and talk about what happened during the day or what what tomorrow looked like whereas now we're in our own little worlds mm-hmm. so i would say that 
that's definitely something that's come into play as a negative thing in relationships is that we, you know, we're often quicker to use our phones than we are our, you know, to sit down and talk. But we, we know that that's a resource too. So we have things that we tell people, you know, hey, you can, uh, there's an app you can download from the Gottman. Here's another freebie for you guys out there. Um, there's an app. <laughs> Without free things. Yes. There's an app called the Gottman Card Deck. And in it, how do you spell that? G O T T M A N. Okay. Card deck, and when you download it, it'll be a square with two hearts in it, and in it is um, there's various uh, different decks of cards, mm-hmm. and they're it's all electronic, of course, um, where you can do things. One is called like love maps, and it's like how well do you know your partner? It's a way to learn, and the way we utilize it is you read the question like. Um, uh, who's your partner's best friend. So then I would try and say who I think mm. Rick's best friend is and explain why I think that person is his best friend and then let him confirm or deny or, you know, or change it or alter it or add to it and then switch. And then he could say, well, I think your best friend is, the, you know, mm-hmm. so things like that, but it's a way to get talking. Um, it's really great for couples that maybe have kind of started drifting apart and feel like they don't know each other and they want to reconnect. It's something you can pull out. Um, so you, there are definitely resources like that on the internet where you can find ways to talk. You can, there, there are apps out there to help you have, um, you know, healthier dates. There are ways to look up restaurants you want to go to. There's we, an app for everything. There's an app for everything. <laughs> True. So there are definitely resources out there, but it is definitely can be a hindrance if your your device or devices mm-hmm. become more important than your partner. So being able to put it away, we have some couples where like you need a half an hour to decompress and then you should go plug your phone on the charger and leave it there until the Mm -hmm. kids are in bed and then you can pull it back out again for an hour. Where they come up with those kind of boundaries because they feel like otherwise we're just both on our phones all the time and we don't talk. Way back in the day, you know, people used to meet at church or meet at uh, a bar or sort of run into somebody and just naturally fall in love with them at the grocery store or something like this. Mm-hmm. Where movie. Where yeah. Where do people meet now? Online um, apps. Mm-hmm. Match. And we used to hear match.com, you know. Now mm-hmm. it's so much the vernacular that the the these range of dating services out there, GoFish, every I mean just name them. Mm-hmm. Um, now they're just saying the the word. Yep, we met on Match, and everyone knows exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a huge difference! We're having to learn how to relate to each other, and it's a very real relational space online. People who are using Xbox to play games with their friends online, they're not interacting with them like you and I are face to face right mm-hmm. now. But it's a very real relationship. It's online. They're not seeing each other. They can't touch each other, but it's a relationship. Mm-hmm. So the way we've had to face – and now we, uh, of course um, – Do online uh, therapy. Online therapy through different services, right? So mm-hmm. we are now used to being able to relate without having to touch the other, without even mm-hmm. sometimes knowing what your facial expression is like. That's something that counselors are learning every day now how to navigate. It's a, it's a space we're still not quite used to interacting in mm-hmm. uh, because those changes are happening so fast that it's, uh, you know, we're having to always stay up on um, what's happening, who's relating to who on what mm-hmm. and why, and learn what that relationship space is all about. 
so that we can bring that into um, a counseling space adeptly. Uh, so technology has mattered in two relationships in good and unhealthy ways. And, mm-hmm. you know, like sometimes the boundary needs to be you don't fight through text message. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that yeah. has to be a, text, a boundary. Don't ever is, fight on text. Oh, my goodness. But, just uh, completely leaving it up to interpretation oh what my your word. actual tone yeah. is. Or, or putting the wrong um, emoji. Here's a funny story. That's our head shaker. My mom won't ever listen to this podcast, so I don't have to worry about exploiting her. But So my mom sent a happy birthday message. My daughter and I share the same date to my daughter with mm. a poop emoji <laughs> and then sent it to me because she thought it was a – chocolate kiss oh yeah yeah so you know that's a misinterpretation of the emoji and she thought lol meant lots of love and not Mm -hmm. laugh out loud you know so we have to be careful about using technology to communicate because you miss happy birthday you pile of mm, lol (laughs) lots of love (laughs) lots of love so yeah that was that was a fun conversation i had with my mother i'm like mom do you know what that emoji is she goes yes i go well what is it Mm -hmm. anyway sending her sending her a piece of chocolate if you're like me I'm, i'm very much a engineer even the way i communicate so on text i can be just like extremely direct very direct and and structured i know i'm sure people in the past been like oh is he mad at me or it's like no i'm just overly efficient with (laughs) typing mincing my words whatever yeah Mm -hmm. and when you know when rick and i first started we had to do the a b c push the same button multiple times Mm -hmm. to type the word um so we have a an a a unique thing that we say to each other. We say MULU, M-U-L-U, which stands for Miss You, Love You. Um, mm. Something that we started back when we had I a text. I remember seeing that, that on your long. website. I wonder now. That's, yeah, that's, that's what it stands for. It started out, we used to say Miss You, Love oh, You. Okay. We used to, then we would say Miss You with the U and Love You with the U. And then when texting came out, we had to do the ABC and whatever mm-hmm. to do it. M-U-L-U was a lot faster to type. So <laughs> we would just do that to be able to let the other person know we were thinking of them. Now it's just a word. It's like a it's like match for us between us it's just a word Mm -hmm. tells the other that we're thinking about you um that we love you and uh we can't wait to see you so it means miss you love you but it means so much more so Mm -hmm. we want to help other couples other people with their friends with their families with their partners learn how to say miss you love you awesome i feel like that's a pretty just positive uh note to end on Maybe any last words just to promote, you know, going to therapy and getting help on that that mental health side. Uh, Any just last words of encouragement for for people on that? If you're feeling like you need another set of ears to help you make a good decision Mm -hmm. or to help you through a tough spot or to move you to a, a goal that you're trying to reach, that's a good reason to go to therapy, whether it's as a couple or an individual. <clears throat> if your friends are telling you you need therapy, then it's probably something you should look into. Um, if you think you need therapy and you don't know who to turn to, ask a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are so many resources out there that can help you, um, that we that people want to help you. Um, don't wait till you're in crisis. Mm-hmm. That's always harder. We much rather help you work through something before it becomes so overwhelming that you can't function. So if you're starting to feel like you're struggling, then that's a good time to look into a therapist. I do want to add something. 
We've heard so much about, um, uh, I notice my friend's in trouble or my mom's in trouble or this couple's in trouble, but I don't want to butt in. Mm-hmm. If you butting in or if you talking to them and saying, hey, counseling might be a good idea, if you were part and parcel in how that relationship was saved, um, wouldn't you rather just say, hey, counseling might be a good idea? Wouldn't you rather have been able to relate to another person and say, look, I'm noticing something. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not trying to get involved. I just think counseling might be a good idea. Because in every kind of thing, whether you want to build a house or do something else, you go to an expert and say, hey, I I need some help with this. It's the same with counseling. And we can help each other do that. It's it's Mm -hmm. okay. It's good to notice things about another person and then encourage good things for that other person. Mm -hmm. We would want us to say to be encouraged in other ways. Counseling is just one of those ways. And uh, we love it when people start thinking in terms of, uh, of confidence to other people uh, saying, look, counseling is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Well, appreciate the time today. I'll give you a little red carpet moment for uh, Real Connections. Where, where can people find you if they, you know, uh, well, you're in the greater Des Moines area primarily. Uh, how can people get in touch with you? We are located at uh, 2540 106th Street, which is over um, north of Hickman, right by CarMax. There's an office area back behind there on 106th Street. We're back there. But uh, you can get a hold of us at www.realconnectionscounseling.com. You can call us at 515-635-1805. Or you can email us at info at realconnectionscounseling.com. But we're actually uh, pretty high on the Google list right now, too. So if you just type um, co-therapy or couples counseling Des Moines, you'll probably see us on the first page, which is awesome. Um, so that's another way to get a hold of us. Uh, if you if you can't figure out how to spell any of those words or we're, you know, you just are, mm-hmm. are struggling, that's a good way to get in touch with us. But, you know, we would love to have a conversation with you. Um, usually we set up a consult with our uh, admin. We'll give her, give them a call and talk mm-hmm. through what they're needing and then set them up with which couple would be the, which co-therapy team would be the best team for them or if they want individual counseling. So. We are Iowa's co-therapy company mm-hmm. and we're excited that we get to be in that position and we're excited when other people, um, come to us and what we can guarantee you is that no matter which team you get it's going to be some it's going to be a team who uh, enjoys each other it's going to be a team who loves our clients it's going to team going to be a team who relates to each other and brings our expertise into the room in the in the most loving way possible and that i can promise you we're not your typical we therapists. are not your typical therapists. And because we're mm-hmm. not your typical therapists, you're going to get an amazing experience. Oh, and remember the 80-minute session. The 80-minute session is our standard, not the 50. We found mm-hmm. that a lot of couples especially kind of hit their stride at 30 minutes where they start talking about important things, and then sure. they get 15 minutes to talk um, and work something hard out, whereas you can hit your stride at 30 minutes, and we have um, a long time to work something out. So that 80 mm-hmm. minutes helps couples get through, clients get through um, therapy faster. Um, mm-hmm. And we get to talk about a lot more uh, during a session, and that makes has made a huge difference. And let me just say this, um, for people that don't know, you can also do co-therapy for individual counseling. If you want two mm-hmm. different perspectives, we've gotten some 
um, clients that have come in and had seen both of us and as an individual. Mm-hmm. We've also can we can offer individual therapy. We can also have an individual therapist work with a couple. We just know the benefits mm-hmm. of doing the co-therapy piece, and that's important. Um, you can do 80 minutes as, a, as an individual as well if you'd like, but we do offer 50-minute standard sessions for individuals. So I just wanted to throw that out there so it's not that we only do the 80 minutes, but we do encourage that for our couples therapy because of mm-hmm. that. 30 minute mm-hmm. mark that Rick's talking about where they don't get to actually follow through and get through the whole issue and get to resolution before they leave. If we do a 50 minute session, but they can, if we do 80 and that's been a, a game changer for a lot of our couples. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I enjoyed the conversation and again, appreciate Same. the time. I think we got a lot of good information out there, which is my goal. Hopefully get people a little more open to the idea of therapy, especially on the, the couple side. And that will wrap it up for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. I really enjoyed getting to dive into a discussion about relationships with a kind of new perspective for me, talking to people that help people with their relationships on the daily. I think this is a very powerful subject and one that can easily be taken for granted. So I hope you gain something from this conversation. Hopefully you're able to take some good notes and maybe think of some ways you can apply that to your life or just be ready, say if you're not in a relationship like myself at the moment, you know, take some of that information and store it away so you're more prepared to have a quality relationship and maintain it as you go. This was a cool experience for me getting another subject matter on the podcast and I look forward to trying to find more opportunities to do so. Feel free to reach out if you have any comments, ideas, topics that you'd want to maybe have experts speak on. You can find me at Shady Engineering on YouTube and Instagram. As always, I appreciate your time and I look forward to sharing the next episode.